Hey guys, Montel here, and welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. And I got to tell you, I'm excited because whenever we have Leafly on, I'm telling you, we get some of the best information there is out there. And that's the reason why I do this podcast, guys. I do this podcast, Let's Be Blunt with Montel, not just for me. I do this podcast for you. I want to make sure that you get some of the most up-to-date information that you can to help you make good choices when you go out and navigate this daunting cannabis system across this country where every single state is different. All the dispensaries are distant, different. I want to bring some of the top experts on that always give us good information and we always get it from Leafly. I'm going to tell you that right now. So if you're looking for any information that you need on cannabis, or you should just become a regular reader, go up on Leafly and get your information. Okay. And Leafly's sixth annual cannabis jobs report is out. And it is full of good information for the industry and those who want to be a part of it. The report shows America's cannabis industry sold nearly, get this, $25 billion in products and created more than 100,000 new jobs in 2021. Fisher's report, created in partnership with Whitney Economics, shows that despite the ongoing economic and and employment challenges presented by the COVID-19 pandemic, Cannabis continues to be the most powerful job cre- excuse me, job creator in America, with no other industry even coming close. Leadley's senior editor and author of Weed the People, the Future of Marijuana Legislation in America, and Time Magazine's special issue, Marijuana Goes Main Street, is joining me today to review the report. Bruce Barcott, thanks you so much, sir, for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with Montel today, sir. Hey, Montel. It's always a pleasure to join you here. Thank you so much for having me. You guys always have the cutting edge information. And I'm going to tell you something. This report, I'm going to get into it in a minute. Why don't we start off this way? Before I even start digging into the report, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, um, uh, give me a little bit of your background. Sure. You know, Montel, I have been a journalist for more than 30 years. I uh, worked a lot for uh, worked a lot on, on science articles and environmental articles over the years, uh, wrote for National Geographic, New York Times Magazine, and places like that. And I, I ended up, um, you know, many people have different journeys to, uh, to, to, to the cannabis space. And uh, I just happened to live in Washington State when it was turning legal back in 2012. It was very fascinating as to me as a writer. I started taking notes, ended up writing a book that became We the People uh, about legalization and, and regulated cannabis. And I wanted to continue writing about it. Uh, I thought I, I was very much on the fence to begin with, but uh, after writing the book and doing all the research, I really believed that regulated legalization was the correct way to handle it. Um, so I've been sort of uh, writing about uh, writing about legal cannabis ever since. And the jobs report uh, is one of my favorite parts of the year. Uh, it, took us, it takes us about three months to do, and we can get it, we'll get into the details in a second here. Sure. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit more about you then, you know, and, and you don't have to say, but yeah. well, well, tell me a little bit about your experience with cannabis and when were you first introduced to it? Well, I was first introduced to it. I mean, you know, like, like many people uh, in college, like I, I was, uh, you know, it was literally, I can tell you my first experience. It was on a, a spring break at a friend's cabin and we tried a little on uh, in the garage and I, I spent a pleasant evening uh, carrying out kind of a cliche of, I actually listened to, uh, to, to dark side of the moon with headphones on 
Uh, yeah, that's that's me. Uh, that's that's sorry. That's well, you know, I, I do, but I tell you, you you put a smile on my face and and made me laugh when you said you had an experience in the garage because I got to tell you something. I think my very first experience with cannabis was in a garage. Right. There's something, there's something about somebody, you got to find that place to hide in somebody's house. Let's go in the garage for a minute. What are you going to do in the yeah. garage? And I, yeah. I, I remember it was really funny because I, I I was in a band. And my band used to move around, you know, we could practice at my house for about four weeks. And my father would get sick of hearing the noise, send us to somebody else's house. And they get sick of hearing the noise. And it was it was when we came back from my, my guitar player, Richie's house, and we came back to my house. Um, and I had to set up. We had been practicing in the garage, but I guess I didn't, unbeknownst to me, my father was getting complaints from some of the neighbors. So they made us go down in the basement. So I'm down in the basement. And I remember, you know, my, and, and I was in a band. Did I, I was in a band. I was 13 years old. All the other musicians in my band were 16 to 25. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I remember the two dudes came in and they were like, they were just, I said, what y'all doing? And they were laughing. So they were laughing. And I was like, what you doing? And the one bass player said, come here. We'll take you out of the garage. Come here. We, I went upstairs. And he, he walks into the garage. I said, what are we going to do in the garage? Going to the garage, he pulls out this thing. He goes, you asked me what's going on. And he holds up this joint. And I was like, let's try that. And my parents were home. So I went in and tried it in the garage. It's funny. And you you went and listened to who? who oh, you Pink Floyd, you know, like Dude, space was, out, right? Yeah. I was a yes guy. I went right back down, uh, yeah, down yeah, yeah. in the basement. And that day, that night, we were trying to learn a yes song. And I remember I put that song on. And I, I literally kept just kept playing the record over and over again. I was supposed to have learned it, but instead of learning it, I was just sitting there just cruising. I was like, it was going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something that, that, that whole connection between cannabis and music and time, you know, and the dilation of time, uh, it's, it's a fascinating subject. I mean, it's one of many subjects I, I love writing about. It's, it's, uh, uh, there's so many, uh, so many places you can go with, with cannabis and the human experience. Absolutely. You know, that maybe that could be one of your future books to just, just interview a whole bunch of people about their first experience with music yeah. and cannabis. That'd be great. <laughs> now let's, let's jump into this job report a little bit, my friend. This was really fascinating. I mean, the cannabis industry added 107,059 full-time jobs were added in the cannabis industry in 2021, despite the pandemic. I mean, how did that compare to previous years? Uh, it was it was a little actually we were surprised at how many jobs were added. I mean, we've never we've added tens of thousands of jobs in a year uh, in past years. But this was the first year that we added more than 100,000 jobs. And I think that's both that um, speaks to the sort of, you know, the popularity of cannabis during the pandemic. Uh, we definitely saw a bump in sales last year in 2020. But we expected that to kind of taper off this year, and it really, it really hasn't. Um, and, and so we're seeing more sales in sort of what I want to say, just just larger states, higher population states like Illinois and Michigan, places like that. Um, you know, Florida, even though Florida is only um, legal for medical patients, there are you know more than half a million medical patients in the state of Florida, and so we're we're kind of amazed that um, that we saw this much of an increase this year uh, in jobs. And it's only going to continue. I think we're seeing, you know, we're going to see a bigger bump come next year and the year after with New Jersey and New York coming on with, with their stores.
Does this include hemp, or are you just looking specifically at cannabis? Or, you know, uh, good question. Good question. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, this uh, this includes only regulated cannabis. Um, hemp. We we're not including hemp, um, and we're not including uh, sort of the type of CD, CBD products that you'd see at at drugstores, pharmacies, that sort of thing. Um, and the reason for that is that the, the the way that we put out the report, the data we use. Um, is only available because cannabis is specifically so highly regulated in each state. Um, and hemp is hemp is regulated, but it's a little less regulated than uh, than cannabis in that we kind of have a sense of how many farmers are out there growing hemp, but we don't really have a sense of um, how many products made from hemp are sold. And we probably don't have an idea of how many employees those farmers have working just hemp specifically or hemp derivative things, right? Yeah, because uh, it's all it all comes back to licensing. Um, you know, with cannabis in a state like, let's say, Illinois or Michigan, uh, every part of that process, every worker has to be connected to some sort of license, whether it's a growing license or a manufacturing license or a sales license. Um, so that's where we, we start with those licenses. And then we um, look into uh, revenue sales data uh, from every year. And we've come up with a pretty good formula over the years to, uh, to sort of uh, run number of how, figure out how many jobs come out of a certain amount of sales per state. With, I mean, if you had, if you had to estimate this, this ballpark mm -hmm. or crystal ball it, what would you say if you combined the legal cannabis, licensed cannabis, and the hemp things together? I mean, would, would it be double? I think, no, actually, I, it, I don't know that it would be double. I've seen recent reports um, about hemp that put hemp at about something close to a um, I mean, it may be in the low billions in terms of, of sales, uh, but cannabis is now a $25 billion a year industry, B, billion with a B. Um, wow. And that's, yeah, we did, we did some comparisons and um, you think about, uh, you know, milk, you know, milk's in every grocery store. Milk is a $16 billion a year industry. Orange juice is $10 billion. Uh, energy drinks, uh, Red Bull, Monster, that's 20 billion. Cannabis is 25 billion. And it's not really, you know, it's not threatening, uh, you know, wine and beer are up there in like 75 to $90 billion a year. But it's a, it's a significant industry now across America. You ain't kidding. And I mean, you know, how does that compare when you look, think about the rocket growth? I mean, let's, let's go back. Uh, okay. This is 2021. I bet if you went back to like 2017, when the when the industry was burgeoning and really starting to take hold, I would bet that we were probably under a billion dollars in sales, right? I think, gosh, you're, you're asking me to uh, uh, connect with history. But, you know, back in 2017, I think we saw somewhere around 100,000 jobs um, at, at that time. So, you know, we're, we're, we're grow, we've grown, you know, nearly fourfold since then. And we do, we take a look at other, other jobs, other industries that are considered um, some of the high growth job creators, um, things like, you know, in the, in the medical field or uh, green, green energy. And mm -hmm. they tend to increase at about, you know, 10 to 20 percent or so over a, a five or 10 year span. And cannabis grows at 20 to 30 percent every year. Wow. 
And I mean, you, you, you hit on the head, especially when you're thinking about the aging of our population, you would think that the me- medical field would increase, you know, exponentially at least mm-hmm. in, in, along with the aging of our, our society and with all the issues that we've just had with the pandemic, you would think that the medical com- community would have dwarfed something like cannabis and growth, but it's the opposite. Yeah, and one of the things that we really that we um, were pleasantly surprised by this year, we did a little extra digging into where that growth takes place, and we realized that be, be, cannabis is a very labor-intensive industry in in specific places. Like when it's sold in retail stores, um, those retail stores maintain, for the most part. You think about it, you walk into a retail store in California or Illinois or Michigan or Massachusetts those stores maintain kind of almost a one-to-one staff to customer relationship. You know, it's not like you're walking to a Home Depot and you wander around, you find a shovel, you find some nails, and then you go and, and you know, purchase at the checkout counter. When you walk into a cannabis store, often you're almost kind of assigned a specific bud tender who works with you because you can't just, you know, handle the different products and wander around and pick some up and put some down. So it, it tends to be very labor intensive um, at the retail side. And I guess it's labor intensive also at the manufacturing side, the packaging side, every single step along the way, right? Yeah. And it's it's uh, because it's state contained, that's how we're able to um, specifically look at each individual legal state and, and figure out how many jobs are created there. Because, you know, if you're if you're um, uh, growing cannabis in Massachusetts, it's also going to be packaged in Massachusetts and it's going to be sold in Massachusetts. It's not going to be transported across state lines. So that's one of the one of the, the sort of uh, uh, tight regulatory aspects of cannabis that actually makes this report possible. But that also shows every state and every municipality that allows for it that this is an industry that if you welcome it in, it will be a job creator for your community. Yeah. And that's and that's one of the things I think that's one of the messages we're trying to get across right now, especially when states like New Jersey and New York are bringing on their retail cannabis system right now. And they're trying to figure out how many licenses to issue, how many stores to open. And right now in New York and New Jersey, they're dealing with a situation where a lot of towns have um, so-called, you know, opted out of allowing retail stores. And what they're doing there is really not so much they think that they're keeping cannabis out of their communities. I mean, it's already there. We all know Except that. We, well, hell, we're yeah. just talking about the non-illicit market. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and really... So that opting out is really um, both tamping down the creation of legitimate taxpaying jobs. And it's also essentially boosting the street market, boosting the the un, unlicensed market. And we're trying to get that that message across right now. Yeah. What are what are the projections of continued growth in the sector? We think that there's going to be some 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 strong growth in 2022, maybe not as strong as in 2021. Um, we're looking at maybe 15 to 18 percent growth um, in 2022, whereas we saw, you know, 30 percent, 33 percent growth in 2021, um, partly because I think that the, the you know, the pandemic gave the whole industry a definite 
boost in the spring and summer of 2020. And that has kind of continued. Um, and, and we expected it to taper off in 2021, but it didn't taper off so much because, frankly, unfortunately, the, the virus didn't taper off so much. I mean, we had Delta hit us and then Omicron. So we, we think that it's going down a little this year. Of, instead of it tapering off, I think you're going to see probably almost similar to or, or pretty close to the same kind of expansion because now you have a bigger audience that finally had an opportunity to say, you know, dang, this isn't as bad as I thought it was. I mean, you got to think about it. There are people who came to cannabis during the pandemic who would have never come to cannabis before this. And now they're there. And now they're literally having the argument at the dinner table. Oh, cannabis isn't that bad. So this may continue to expand. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I think is a little off, though I know that the, the, the virus has started to slow down and we're starting to take off some of the social restrictions that we've had with getting together and those kinds of things. I think now that we have a bigger core audience, you're going to see even bigger growth. I think that's an interesting point. And I think the, one of the things you're talking about is the, the continued introduction of, or the connecting of, of people and co consumers to different types of cannabis products. You know, I think that, that uh, for a lot of people who haven't had much experience with cannabis, they assume that it's a substance where either you're, you're sober or you're stoned. You know, you're sober or you're on the couch, you know, uh, uh, binge watching your shows for six hours or something. And I think that one of the things the pandemic did, did do is allow people to venture out and, and try different products that work for them in different ways. You know, whether that's just taking a little edge off of their anxiety or helping with insomnia um, or, or helping them, you know, helping them work through the day. That's been one of the most um, surprising assumptions, I think, that I still encounter with folks who aren't that familiar with cannabis is they think, oh, you're just out there getting stoned. It's like, no, actually, there's a lot of different ways and different products that, that you know, that are out there that people use um, that are really helping them get on with their day and live happy lives. I think also you're starting to see that, and this is something that maybe the industry doesn't really like to talk about as much, but the older generation, I should say the older, my generation and older mm -hmm. are starting to say, wait a second, you know what? I don't need to have those two glasses of brown liquor mm -hmm. to feel good. And I don't want to wake up with a headache tomorrow morning. This stuff really does kind of make you feel better and relaxes you and, you don't have to worry about being estoned. And I mean, the idea that you're saying that I think we maybe five or six years ago, the idea was that to consume meant to get stoned. Now the idea is to consume is to feel better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, um, that's something that's, that it's generally happening more and more. I think, um, you know, and, and honestly it's, it's, People like yourself who are, who are uh, more well known for you know their 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 acting career or the television career, uh, coming out and saying, yeah, you know what, I I use this and I use these different products, and I'm it's I'm uh, again I'm not just going out and getting stoned. I'm I'm finding a place for it in my life that that really helps me uh, uh, helps me in a very positive way and not in a way that's that. Um, I need to hide uh, so much anymore. That's right. that's uh, that's that's another part of the thing we're trying to overcome is you know hiding and and.
beating back the stigma of this. Sure. And I think, you know, I, I, I cannot tell you how many more conversations I've had in the last 60 days with people who use the term microdose, with people who mm -hmm. use the term, you know, I don't even get stoned. I, I just take take the edge off. I mean, where you're really having those kind of conversations and, and, and not like an argument, but like somebody just offers that information up. Well, you know, I wasn't a cannabis user, but, you know, I, I just noticed that, that thing, you know, it makes me feel so much better and I don't have to like be lost. And I, I'm thinking, you know, four or five years ago, I remember most people that were consuming would say, dude, I got the baddest buzz in the world. Yeah. You know, I don't get that anymore. I don't hear, you know, I was so stoned. I don't hear that anymore. I hear, oh man, I just got the edge off. I mean, now I yeah. kind of figured it out. I, th those are kind of conversations that people are having. I think I agree. And I think that they it goes along with the general opening in our society to this idea of, of mental wellness, you know, and and not not uh, not framing it, framing your mental uh, uh, your 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 mental temperature as just, you know, well, either you have a mental illness or you're fine. Right. It's you know, how you how you doing? Um, I think the pandemic has really made us stop and think. And ask ourselves and our loved ones, how are you know really how are how are you doing? Um, how are you taking care of yourself? You know, we're we're becoming more open about um, you know going to therapy or seeing a therapist. Yeah, this person really helps me out. I see him once a month, and we we talk about these things. And and I think it, it all dovetails and is, is part of that that conversation um, of of not uh, as you say not getting you know stoned or drunk but rather how are we helping each other how are we helping ourselves with these substances absolutely now do you have a breakdown of the types of cannabis jobs and their and their relative growth i mean we actually more we, we looked into that this year and we're working on that we may have a, a more uh detailed breakdown of that next year i mean generally they break down into three general categories of of growing and you know processing or manufacturing products and retail side, the retail sales. And retail is usually about, oh, I would say probably 40% of the business, maybe 50%. But our jobs count also includes ancillary jobs, um, those jobs that are sort of indirect, non-plant touching jobs, whether that's your, you know, your, your human resources specialist, your, your legal affairs department, if you're a larger company. Um, it includes, you know, people in the media and information platforms like myself, um, and so there are all sorts of different jobs that are not within that specific licensing category. And I guess you would also, I, I've not heard that the industry is having issues when it comes to trucking and shipping, but is it having any issues in that area? Not really. I mean, one of the things that is affecting the cannabis industry right now that's affecting, you know, the, the job market overall is, is you know, and people are becoming a little a little pickier, a little more conscientious about the jobs they apply for and accept. You know, the, we're in this era of the great resignation and a great rethinking of how we spend our days and how we how we draw a paycheck and pay our rent. Um, and I think that 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 Cannabis has benefited from that in some ways. I mean, we definitely have seen anecdotal evidence of folks coming from the food service industry into cannabis as a place where they can um, use some of those same skills and earn a, earn a solid wage and, um, you know, and, and not have their, their workplace shut down with every wave of, of COVID. Um, but we're, we're also hearing reports of, of, of employers out there, you know, 
taking having to do a little more work to find good employees um, as, as with any industry. It's it's uh, if you're out there looking for a job in the cannabis industry, this is an excellent time to be looking. Um, and there are great places, especially states like Illinois, Michigan and Massachusetts that are still expanding. And especially now in New Jersey and New York, um, those places have startup companies that are looking for employees with not just cannabis knowledge, but knowledge in whatever specialty um, you know you can think of that has to do with manufacturing or retail. As I said, you know whether that's in security or legal compliance or things like that, they're they're looking for for good folks. Wow, and you know, I mean, I guess you know, as we continue to watch the the new states come online, especially like New Jersey and New York. I mean, I, I would think that, again, you're going to see 2022 or, I'm sorry, yeah, 2022 be a huge boon year for uh, more growth. Yeah, especially, I mean, with, it's not, you know, New Jersey and New York are coming online and we forget uh, Connecticut is is coming as well. And uh, New uh, Virginia actually might um, move up its deadline for allowing retail sales. There's some movement in, in the uh, state legislature there uh, to maybe start allowing that. So, you know, that whole tri-state area, uh, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut could become a real hub for, uh, for the cannabis industry on the East Coast. You know, as obviously you know, New York is already in the, in the media world, but that could be really a, a, a center uh, of, uh, of cannabis in the U.S., but when you look at something like this, I mean, again, you're looking at a president who is faced with this, you know, some abysmal, you know, ratings across the board, and he's always trying to tout the job market. This is something that they never say. Mm-hmm. But I mean, wouldn't you think that it's, the tide's got to turn a little bit here? It's got to shift a little bit where, where instead of being on the fence and not acknowledging the value of cannabis, don't you think politicians are going to have to start saying, you know what, I I think we've had the wrong outlook on this or something? We're we're always, at least we're always amazed at the intransigence of politicians who refuse to see how popular legalization is as a political issue. And it's, it's across the aisle. I mean, there are plenty of folks um, who are Republicans who believe in legalization from a, um, a personal rights point of view. Um, and there are plenty of folks, you know, on, on, on the Democratic side who believe this as well. But one of the reasons we, we originally started to, to issue this report is um, we believe that, you know, this is, a, this is a count of cannabis jobs because cannabis jobs count. Um, jobs are a politically very powerful tool and symbol. You know, you think about how powerful a symbol uh, coal mining jobs are in West Virginia um, or, you know, uh, other jobs, construction jobs um, to the economy and how the economy is perceived. And, and, you know, these jobs in the cannabis industry are excellent jobs. They're supporting, you know, families across America. And we wanted them to just be recognized for what they were, which was, which was good, solid, honest, legal taxpaying jobs. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I know you mentioned it a little earlier, and I forgot which ones were. What What are some of the states uh, that you know cannabis jobs growth is is the top states for cannabis job growth? Well, I mean, California is always sort of number number one. There, um, you know, if if the United States has a 25 billion dollar cannabis industry, 
California is 20% of that. California is a $5 billion a year industry. Um, that's just the legal market. My that's God, just, yeah, exactly. That's we, just and we think market. that for California, California legal market is probably less than 25% of the market in California, right? Yeah. 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 And the, uh, but we're, you know, we're seeing a real rise in sales and, and, and job numbers in these Midwestern sort of Great Lakes and, and mid and sorry, Great Lakes, Midwestern and East Coast states like Massachusetts, like Michigan, uh, like Illinois, um, where legalization and, and retail stores have just started to take hold. But especially, you know, there are states like Illinois where sales are taking off. But there still aren't that many stores out there uh, in terms of the population. You know, we, we have uh, uh, just a few a handful of stores relative to how many millions of people are in those states. And we're expecting like Illinois to continue with some strong growth um, because we've got maybe, you know, 100, almost 200 new stores coming in the pipeline uh, in the next year or so. So that really could, could spur some job growth there as well. Wow. And I mean, what's the most exciting thing out of this report that you've seen? I think the most exciting thing is the the, the idea that um, what we hoped with cannabis is would happen is happening. In other words, um, I think we see with states that have good, solid, well-regulated systems like Massachusetts, um, like Michigan, and, and hopefully Illinois is getting there. Um, there's a real uh, sort of high slope curve of growth in the first few years. Um, you know, we saw 80 percent growth in Michigan, 75 um, percent growth in Massachusetts. Um, and that will continue. That continues for a few years. But then um, the market sort of does reach its saturation point where you reach a lot. Most of the consumers that are out there, um, you migrate folks from that illicit, unlicensed market into legal regulated stores. And that's happening and, and almost is done happening in Washington, in Colorado, in Oregon, where, this, where the growth there is now in about, you know, 2%, 4%, 6% per year, as opposed to 80% and 70%. Um, and that's not, you know, it's not a cause for alarm in terms of slow growth. It's, it's sort of bearing out what we thought was going to happen and hoped would happen. Um, in terms of turning this, you know, formerly clandestine product into something that is normal, that is regulated and lab tested, um, and people find, you know, the right place, as we said, the right place in their own lives for cannabis. What do you think? I mean, you know, they, they put your crystal ball on for a second. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, if 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 you were to have to figure out a time, when do you think, in your opinion, would federal legalization kind of catch up? When do you think it might happen? based on looking at the industry growth. I mean, let's say we get another 30% growth next year, which I think there's potential for that to happen. Yeah. And then you were saying, I think then you might start to see it roll back a little bit, but it won't get out of the 20s for at least another three to four years. And don't you think that, that we should be looking at some sort of federal legalization in the next two to three years? What do you think? I, well, you would think so. Um, and I hope so. But you never know. This is such a this is such a deeply ingrained political political conundrum in the United States. You know, because we've had eighty years of prohibition, 
and 80 years of government, you know, messaging. You can call it messaging. You can call it propaganda, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, 80 years of messaging uh, about the supposed harms and evils of cannabis really takes root um, in people's minds. And what we have right now is, is in Congress, at least, which is the body that would need to act to, to legalize, um, we have a lot of folks who are, you know, older, who are the elders in our society. And unfortunately, they're the folks who often are the most difficult to reach with the idea that, you know, what we thought we knew 10, 20, 30 years ago about marijuana is not not so. You know, we really need to open our minds to change on this. Um, so I'm hoping that we will have legalization in the next, um, say, two to five years. But it, it's, it's always uh, <laughs> it's a difficult one. I think really what helps is having each state legalize. When each state legalizes, now you've got two senators, two U.S. senators who have tens of thousands of constituents with jobs in this cannabis economy. You have, a, a, you know, House of Representatives members and they have constituents and they have jobs as well. And when those people start to speak out and say, hey, well, why are you not defending my job when you're defending these other jobs? Or is there something about my job that's that's less than um, that? That is a, a powerful tool um, for change. And, well, but, and also, I think you, you hit it on the head. I mean, you do have a lot of older <clears throat> representatives who now have to go to cocktail parties and realize that their older friends are stepping out on the balcony. I mean, what, yeah. what are you going to do? What are you going to do with Bob, your best friend, says, oh, you know, I'm not going to give you this, Senator. What's the senator supposed to say? Yeah. And 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 I think, you know, with cannabis, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you've you've seen this and, and you've been a voice in this. Um, the more unexpected sources, the more unexpected sources of information um, about cannabis that reach the ears of those policymakers, those senators, um, they can really make a difference. You know, it's it's one thing to have someone you don't know come up and say, "Hey, I enjoy cannabis, and I'm I'm you know I, why not legalize it?" It's another to have a person who's a who um, let's say is in a retired you know a, a captain of the of the fire local fire department, or you know and and says, "Hey, you know what? I've used cannabis medically for years for my ailments. I got on the job. It really works." Or you know, a decorated U.S. military veteran. This sort of thing. It really it really helps to hear from those folks. I know. You know, when I was voting in Washington state, uh, what, eight years ago, and I was on the fence um, hearing from people like, you know, like yourself, um, like Rick Steves, the, the, the travel, the travel guru on TV, um, hearing from a, a local fellow who was the former U.S. attorney in Washington state. They were for this. And that made me go, really, that's that's I didn't expect those folks to be for this change. I will look into this a little bit more. And I think, you know, what we're starting to see now, though, is the fact that and I think one of the, the biggest issues that this industry has faced and is still facing is its lack of education of the consumer. I mean, I think what the cannabis industry has got to do itself a favor and start putting on equal footing the B2B conversations that are having as B2C conversations. The more and more we impress upon the consumer that this is a viable solution or or option for them, the consumer will start demanding more. And as they demand more, that means they'll be demanding more jobs. That means they'll be demanding more access. 
And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, as some of my peers leave this place, God bless them, but as they leave this place, I think some of those entrenched attitudes are going to go away. Yeah. And that's one of the, one of the things that we, we try to do every day here at Leafly and have, have fun doing is uh, answering those questions that you're asking. You know, when, when we hear that, that um, more and more people are turning to cannabis to help manage their anxiety, for instance, you know, we're, we're, we're scrambling as editors uh, and, and writers to dive into that and ask people, okay, really, how are, how is it helping you? What forms are you taking? You know, what dosages are you taking? Because, you know, as we said before, it's been so clandestine, so, you know, in, in hidden away in the garage, you know, for, for so many years that the simple act of coming out and saying, here's what I'm using. Here's what I'm trying. Here's the dosage I'm taking. Here's how it works for me. It may not work the same way for you. It probably, you know, it, everybody's different when it comes to cannabis, but here's what I'm trying. And so just to be able to, to talk very openly and, and honestly about things like the difference between, um, you know, smoking cannabis flour um, versus, you know, a, a vape pen uh, versus a, 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 a topical or, you know, a, a, edible. A, edible, exactly. Um, being able to do that openly uh, really helps things along. I mean, it really, uh, that's not a conversation that happens anywhere else often. I mean, it's a shame that it doesn't, but it, it's true. You know, now, you know, we're looking at employment and, and <clears throat> employment opportunities here in this space. How does the compensation for employees in this space compare to other industries? Are we starting to see wages go up in the cannabis space? We are actually. Um, I mean, one of the, you know, the early cannabis is a great spot for early entry into the job market for folks in their in their 20s. Obviously, you, you know, this is a 21 and older product. So you'll, you'll need to be 21 at least um, before applying for a job. But yeah, it, it um, and, and those early entry positions, um, I think the ones that tended to pay in the you know, 11 to 15 dollar an hour range now are bumping up to, you know, 13 to 18 dollars an hour or 20 dollars an hour. Um, as, as we're seeing, you know, again, this year with, with, um, the sort of great labor reckoning, uh, I think those, those entry-level wages are improving. And, um, the thing about cannabis is there is a lot of room for moving on up. Um, there's a lot of room to learn about the industry, learn about the plant, learn about the products, and then take that knowledge and move yourself up the career ladder, whether that's in the same company, in the same state, or, I mean, one of the great advantages you have as someone who is in the cannabis industry has gained some knowledge, you're sort of always a, a, a steady, you know, parade of new states coming online, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, where that knowledge all of a sudden is incredibly valuable to people in those states starting up new companies. Uh, that's some good advice for those who are looking to get started in the industry, but you got any other tips? Um, I think that, you know, think about what you do well. If you're interested in, you know, looking around and possibly jumping over into the cannabis industry in, in your state or in another state, think about what you do well already in your job. If you're, if you're someone who is, who's, um, you're not starting out in the job market, but you, you, you've been out there working for a while, um, don't be uh, don't be overwhelmed by the idea that you you know oh I don't know anything about cannabis uh, how would I ever get into get into this industry um, 
you know, we do need plenty of people with great knowledge about cannabis, but we also need people who have great knowledge of, of, you know, how to manage people, how to run a retail store, how to, you know, work human resources systems, how to work finance, how to, you know, set up a solid security plan, um, how, you know, how to work logistics. Cannabis is a, is a, is a very heavy logistics industry, you know? And so if you can, if you can move a product from one place to the next with very specific, secure, you know, programs, uh, there are people out there who would love to talk with you right now. Gotcha. Well, anything else you'd like to add, sir? <laughs> um, I think that, that one of the things that we really just want to come back and emphasize is that, that this, is a, um, this is a report that we put out every year to, to really emphasize the idea that cannabis jobs count, that these are jobs that are legal they're doing good for local communities um, because they're so state contained. That money really does stay locally within the community uh, and within the state. And we want to help people who are in the industry hold their heads up proudly and say, yeah, I am. I am in in cannabis. I'm, I'm doing this part in the industry. And it's great. You know, there's nothing um, to hide or be shameful about. Um, the more we can do that, uh, the more that that people will. As we say, you know, that connects then to consumers, to patients coming out and um, maybe finding the place for cannabis in their lives. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but at least, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's an option for them. And I think it's, it's a good option. Well, Bruce, I can't say thank you enough, sir, for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with Montel today. Great information. I hope all of you are happy with it. Remember, Bruce is the uh, Leafly senior editor and co-author of the sixth annual Leafly Jobs Report. Bruce, you always have a home here. You know that. The, your staff always has a home here. We like to keep our people informed. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in. Thank you, sir, for being a part of the show today. Always a pleasure, Montel. Thank you. You take care. All of you stay well and make sure you tune into the next Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Thank you.